Uh, what's up? Hello, everybody. How you doing? So let's start off by saying greeting each other. Hello, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I know you're all muted, but it's good to see you. Excited to be here. This is a blessing to be able to gather like this and to chat about about things. I like to look at this as um, what I call good friends getting together and having a suitable conversation. And what is that about? The conversation is about how do we do this thing called life in the context of the teachings of the Buddha. And so my intention tonight is just to talk a little bit and then open it up for, for Q&A. Uh, but I'm curious, how many folks are here for the first time? Anybody? Okay, cool. How many people are, are, are new to meditation first time? Anybody? Okay, everybody got a lot of veterans on the call. Okay, cool. Um, so it's, it's interesting, and we live in interesting times. And so one of the things that I think is really important, and when I did the meditation today, I kept focusing on I kept focusing on this idea of resting in the breath and resting in the body. And so there is this possibility that even though we're actively engaged in activity, daily activity, that there's a way, even we could practice a little bit here and now, and especially uh, just in this process of sitting and listening, uh, that we could practice this idea of just resting in the breath, resting in the body, and just listening what's being offered to us without interpreting or without anticipating what's going to happen and so even though we can be we can be alert and at the same time we could be at rest and what do i mean by rest what i mean is like i talked about the pebble uh resting on the uh river river floor or the lake floor or the ocean floor it's it's really more about just being relaxed and receptive at the same time just letting things speak to us without an agenda and just resting and letting things be and letting things speak to us, which takes a lot of um, faith because it's really, I'm really asking us to be vulnerable, We're really asking us to have an open heart, open mind, and just to listen from, from a place of, of connection, from a place of love, from a place of, of compassion, which is not our normal way of being. And so when I talk about your practice is your, your daily life or our practice is our life, it's, it's great to be able to practice in this context, but we, to the degree that we can bring it out into our, the, the rest of our life in a way where we can have a direct experience of what is being offered, then that's when, we're in, that's when we, we get it going. That's when we really start to develop conviction to go from confidence and trust to conviction. And so I just wanted to just kind of set it up that way. And to think about this idea, I've been doing a lot of YouTube uh, presentations every Thursday, almost every Thursday on dealing, you know, I call it being at home with, uh, being, being at home with George during COVID. And the interesting thing is what I, what I like to emphasize is this idea of we are in tumultuous times. It's this, this, there's at least two or three crises going on besides the, the pandemic, besides uh, racial, racial, I would call it racial justice instead of racial injustice. How do we get to that point where we're being more inclusive in, in the economic um, and the uh, economy, ecological um, uh, turmoil that we're experiencing with all these fires in Northern California, well, not only California, but all over the 
the uh, the world actually, uh, even in the Amazon, I guess they're having fires. And so the global warming is, is not a myth, it's happening. And so how do we hold all of that in a way where we can embrace the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and at the same time, generate, generate hope. And so the practice can help us doing that. And how do I do it? This is how I do it. We can take refuge in the, in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And so when I talk about taking refuge in the Buddha, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that we all have Buddha nature. In my book, I call it the divine spark or the masterpiece within, that we are wired for success, but we have to train the mind and the heart in a way where we can see clearly and then we can be present and that allows us to be more loving and compassionate. So we're why we have Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, whatever works for you, Kuan Yin energy, divine spark. And so we have that, that, that potential. And the Dhamma, these teachings are, are what helps us to get in contact with that, that inner greatness, that uh, Buddha nature and that we do it in a community or a sangha. And so it, it's, it's this idea of practicing individually doing, you know, being the best version of myself, but at the same time, I'm doing it for, for the whole planet. I'm not just doing it for me. And so that's something that, that really is helpful to me to understand that when I sit and when I start to train myself to be more loving, more compassionate versus, and more generous, versus being greedy or being um, coming from a place of, of, of fear or ill will, that when I can do that for myself, I'm actually having that ripple, they call it morphogenic um, field, I'm having that impact on the whole planet. And so this idea of being in community doing this, but at the same time, that's the only way the community is going to be, uh, be transformed into a beloved community or a community where everybody feels valued and appreciate it so we can have more, more inclusion. And so the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha are places where we can take refuge or we can rest and we can understand that we're being held in a way that allows us to, to get in touch with our Buddha nature. And so this idea of generating the hope, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So there's obviously there's the teachings that we can they can talk about that. But the first thing is just being able to be in ourselves, to be able to be still so that we can start to observe ourselves, how we, in word, thought, and deed, how we are being. But in this time of COVID, I feel like for me, is also making a shift from doing the being because on, on a lot of levels, we have no idea what the hell is going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. Some of us, you know, I have a... Um, a friend of mine that I work with, and, and I refer to him as Mr. Chips. <laughs> so you, a lot of you may not know who, who Mr. Chips is, but there was a movie called, uh, I think it's Goodbye Mr. Chips, it's about this guy Chippins who was a, a schoolmaster in, in England. And so my friend has a, a well, she's seven now. He has, she has a seven-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, 13-year-old son. And so school at home, he's spending all of his time I know if I call him before 12 o'clock, he's not available because he's dealing with his daughter and all of her schoolwork online. So you have parents that are not able to do what they normally do. And I laugh, there's two sides to that. I mean, he gets to spend quality time with his, with his family, his daughter, but at the same time, um, 
there are a lot of people that need to work. So there's a lot of suffering going on out there. So, so just being able to have a process, being able to generate hope in spite of the challenges that are before us, how do we do that? So I like the idea of having this conversation and saying, yeah, there's these teaching, but here's a way that we can have where we can generate hope, we can, we can hold the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and look at it in, in a way where we can relate to it in a way that, that empowers us to, to heal, empowers us to get beyond that and actually help that, use that as a, uh, uh, as a launch pad for being more intimate with ourselves and others, being more compassionate, being more kind, being more inclusive. And so I talk about that a little bit. So obviously there's the, there's the practices, but having this shift from, from doing the being. And so what's that about? So it means being present, being more compassionate, being more uh, um, intimate with ourselves, self-knowledge, being able to, to, to feel myself, feel all of the discomfort that I'm experiencing, all the pain that I'm experiencing. There's not only mine, but seeing other people suffering. How do I relate to that pain in a way where I acknowledge it and at the same time, how do I transform it? And I'm reminded of what Viktor Frankl said. He says, when we find meaning in suffering, the suffering ceases to be suffering. And I've had this experience over the last 36 years um, dealing with my substance abuse and all of the chronic pain and all the emotional pain that I experienced. And once I started to get into this process of, of you know, examining my life, examining myself, using the teachings of the Buddha, getting in touch with my Buddha nature, learning the practices and the um, teachings and being in community, which allowed me to get the support that I needed and also to give support that allowed me to have this process that, uh, that allows me to embrace, hold the pain and at the same time generate to hope and, and actually feel, uh, as I think about it, over this 36 year journey for me, I have more enthusiasm and, and more excitement than I ever had. And it grows, and why does it grow? Because this practice, this ability of me to get more intimate with myself, to be more self-expressive of my Buddha nature allows me to experience that and to have an impact on, on others. And so, um, the practice of sitting and being with oneself is helpful, but it's also helpful to, to be able to go out and actually practice or perform uh, the opposite of greed, hatred, and uh, confusion, which is greed, we can talk about generosity, renunciation. I like the word uh, generosity versus um, sacrifice or uh, renunciation. Um, and being loving, you know, having kindness, acts of kindness, being loving, being compassionate, appreciating when people have uh, good turns, understanding that they earn that through their, their own work, and that there's a way of relating. And I just want to share with you a little bit, because it's timely, it's Titnan Han, talk, he talks about um, in his book, uh, How to the Buddhist Teachings, or maybe this is another book, he talks about the five mindfulness trainings. And the first one is, is a training in protecting life to decrease violence in oneself, in the family and in society. Well, that's a big one right there. 
but that's the one is to protecting life and not only protecting life, but sustaining life, enhancing, enhancing life. And how do, how can we do that? By just noticing, just like me, everybody else wants to be happy that even though there's people that may be hating on me or may not appreciate me for myself, I have to be real sensitive to the idea that more hate just engenders hate that I have to, I don't have to, but it's, it's skillful to bring love, more love, more compassion, more understanding into the situation. And I'm not saying I'm going to sit there and let somebody smack me. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, because uh, I'm supposed to protect life, which means protect my life, protect my life. But I'm really talking about this idea of, of just understanding protecting life and ceasing violence. And a lot of the time, the violence starts with the word and with thoughts. And so we talk about right speech or speech that's harmonious, that's talking about loving speech, compassionate speech, inclusive speech. And that starts with the thinking and thinking about people, seeing I and the other one or understanding mutual benefit, mutual respect. So just protecting life. And I don't mean just human life, but I also am talking about the environment as well and, 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 and other creatures. The second training is the practice of social justice, generosity, not stealing and not exploiting other living beings. And the third practice is the responsible sexual behavior in order to protect individuals, couples, families, and children. The fourth is the practice of deep listening and loving speech to restore communications and reconcile. That's where the healing comes in. So just this idea of us having conversation that if we can listen to each other in a deep way where we're, where the person is speaking is the most important, um, is the most important thing we can do is just be fully present and to listen to them, even in spite of the fact they may be saying things that we don't agree with, but we create this listening, this, um, that's a, that's an act of kindness, an act of compassion is just to listen to each other and and to enhance loving speech speech that talks about how we're where we have things in common focus on how we want to live how we want to be in community with each other and the fifth one is is mindful consumption to help us bring toxins and poisons into our body and mind so when i think about that that's also what i call a negative committee the stinking thinking or thinking that is divisive or or the opposite or right intention or right thought, which is thoughts of, of harm, thoughts of, of greed, thoughts of um, ill will or frustration, anger. And that, that those are things we can practice all day. And so when I think of the practice, I think of it as being 24 seven from the time I wake up I can be aware of my body, the rest of my body, even when I'm in bed lying and having a sense of, of my mind positive or negative. Is it, is it in survival mode or growth mode? And then I can just be, just be present and just show up and do the next thing, make the next play. And it's the same thing when I lay down at night, I can sit there and I can reflect a little bit on, okay, the fact that I made it through another day and there's some positive things that I can, reflect on and then I go to bed with that positive mindset about another day and making progress. And so this idea of reflecting before, during, and after we do things and just 
when we get into communications with people, whether they're there or not, that we we focus on loving speech. We focus on just listening to what is being offered, even listening to our own inner dialogue, because that's telling us the kind of uh, mindset we have, the kind of uh, mind state that we're operating from. So there's a lot. So I don't want to talk a lot more. I think it will be more useful to really have a Q&A and to talk about how are we going to relate to the current situation in a way that's helpful and meaningful in real time. Because it's really about the immediacy of experience. It's not so much about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow, although we learn from that and we need to plan. But if you really think about it right now, in this moment, there's nothing wrong. Right now, in this moment, there's nothing wrong. And so can we start from this moment and build on that? Because this moment sets up the next moment. So to the degree that we can hope, you know, embrace the hurt and generate the hope. Yeah, this happened. Yes, I don't like it. And this is how I can relate to it in a way that, that brings meaning and compassion into what's being done, what's being offered. So I'll end my little talk. So I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you all. I love you all. And it was really a lot of fun and exciting for me to be here. Thank you all. Love and blessings. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye.